This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's the Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. South Community Credit Union, we help when others won't. It's what our members tell us we do every day. Whether it's a loan for a car you need to get to work or saving for the future, let us see if we can help. If you live, work, worship, or attend school in Rutherford, Bedford, or Marshall Counties, you can be a member of Heritage South. Visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, to learn more. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Show now live from Adams Place. Ah, law yeah. enforcement. I'm against. I mean, I can't understand how you could say that the that sitting on a man's neck for nine and a half minutes is is what we should be doing. See, you, you don't you don't see the whole picture, do you? I do see the whole picture. No, you don't. <laughs> All right, Truman, you're on the air. You know, we're on the air and talking about things that nobody should be listening to. Hi, Bill Kennedy. Bless your heart. Welcome aboard. Hey, great to be here, Truman. Uh, you, you know, you were the first, uh, 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 probably the SRO that got involved with something that would change the entire scope of what goes on in a county school. And uh, for for all those that are in the at the studio, I could not hear you guys. It's not coming through. I just barely uh, made it through. But anyway, uh, tell me about you're from Pittsburgh. That's right. Uh, uh, that's where the uh, Pittsburgh. What's what in the world is their uh, name? Oh, the Steelers. The Steelers. Show you my mask. <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you were um, make, you were the first one to really make a difference in the school. Just just the officers being there in our county schools was was uh, 
you could see everything changing as far as the um, uh, network uh, worked in in the school system. And I remember when we started it, and uh, we felt all along that this is something that we had to do because uh, everything was changing in our schools. And I had a couple of principals even said that they were going to retire because things were changing more toward the negative than the positive. And uh, you went to Oakland. Mm -hmm. Now, you had played football at MTSU. Uh, Why did they uh, recruit somebody from Pittsburgh to start with? Well, Coach Bunio, who was defensive coordinator at the time, he actually uh, was from Pennsylvania, and they heavily recruited Western Pennsylvania at the time because it was, a, at that time, a hub of pretty good talent. Yeah. And Coach Bunio, I was the only only athlete that he recruited from his old high, his, his old high school that, um, that I attended, Carlton yeah. High School. So that, and so there were several of us every year that would come down and be recruited from, uh, from Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. So, what year was that? Uh, 1987. And I remember while you were there, the coach called me and wanted to know if I would like to have a good man <laughs> off of the football team. And also the strength coach, as yeah. you remember him. Well, Doc Crease, yeah. Doc Crease, and he, he was special, wasn't he? He was. But... Uh, I told him I would love to. You came over, and you hit the you, you hit the road running. You really did, and you became you almost fell in love with law enforcement at the time. Uh, that's before you went over to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I, I I actually wanted to become a teacher and coach. I, yeah, my degree was in education. Yeah, I was, I was setting my life up to be a teacher and a coach, and yeah. then. I just fell in love with the idea of, uh, and, and and I can remember you coming to me because I was a detention officer at the time. Yeah. And you said, uh, would you like to go on the road? And I said, no, I don't think so, Sheriff. I think I would prefer to. And he said, well, just try it. Just see what happens. Yeah. And you sent me to the academy, and I was still in college. I had just got done playing football for four years. I was on that five-year graduation plan. Yeah. And um, I had my student teaching left, and and I was on the road. And I was doing my student teaching at the same time at Cannon County High School. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got on the SWAT team. Yeah. And that, and that was it. You know, I, um, I was able to do a, a lot of things that most people aren't able to do. And that was yeah. a lot of fun. And that was, and and then when the SRO program came about, it was like, it was a godsend for me. My, my path was now in check because I got to coach. I got yeah. to teach. I got to be a police officer. I got to be on a SWAT team. I had the best of all worlds. And then, of course, you uh, then started. I was able to get promotions at that time, and I was able yeah. to start moving up the ranks. And you know, the idea of going back to teaching at that time was was out of the question. So, yeah, you you loved what you were doing. I did. I did. I loved every bit of it. I loved. The, it was the best job on the face of the earth. I loved being a school resource officer. I loved everything about it. Loved the parents. Loved the kids. Loved the teachers. Loved everything about it. And, and the whole environment changed because uh, we were looking to make our department better than any 
that was in the, the state of Tennessee, and, and we wanted it to be something that Rutherford County could be proud of. And, and we were able to relate to almost everyone. We, we uh, enjoyed serving the county at the time. And uh, I, I remember, do you remember when you were on the SWAT team and the workhouse was being taken over yep, by the I prisoners? Yes. Yeah. I can remember that just like that was yeah, like yesterday, yesterday because we, right. we had a strong weight program mm -hmm. and, and uh, we wanted people to have to go out and work out, run as many miles as they could. Yep. But most of the guys were in very good shape. They were almost like a football team, That's a college right, football yeah. team. And uh, I never will forget when we went through that door yep. that they had uh, commandeered, yep. and they're all w waiting to jump our officers. And then all of a sudden, all those big guys came through there, and, and then, that yeah. was it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the funny thing was, is they had barricaded the door, and I was the I was the guy that was going to lead the the. I had a shield, and I was like a battering ram. I was about to knock down their their um, what they put in front of the door, their barrier. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this huge boulder came flying through the air and through the and hit the shield. Yeah. And it, it kind of knocked me. It kind of stunned me for a second, and I said, yeah. "Well, let's go, boys." You know, I was ready then. I was like, yeah. "It's time to go in." <laughs> and you're right. We hit that door, and we knocked down that barricade, and sure enough, they all just laid down on the ground and just said, "We don't, we don't want none of this." Yeah. So that was that was a fun little situation. Yeah. yeah. Now, you were very intimidating back then. <laughs> uh, you were an alignment for uh, yeah, the nose guard. Uh, uh, yeah, you played against the center. Mm -hmm. Which was the easiest position oh, in the line. Yeah, My whatever. gosh. I mean, it really was. Whatever. <laughs> but anyway, um, when you had that first incident at Oakland School, tell me a little bit about it because I can tell people now that the principal, uh, Mr. Blair, over at Oakland that time, called me after that happened. He said, Truman, he says, you know, I was planning on retiring, but I think I'll stay another year or two. Tell me what happened. Well, you, you know, these these young people today, especially like these huge basketball players, they're 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, yeah. and so there was two giant men. Mm -hmm. You know, you couldn't call them boys because they they were huge. Yeah. They were, um, they were probably 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and they were going at it. Just, and then all of a sudden they were like, 500 young kids <laughs> surrounding the fight so it was it was a yeah. melee yeah and so and that and and that was right when the program started and of course one of the problems we were having was all these um, riots or so-called riots at the time that, yeah. that were happening inside the schools and so i had to melee my way through this crowd to get to those gentlemen and then literally took both of them and pushed them up against the wall and then, of course, one of them settled down and one didn't. Yeah. And so, you know, then I had to pull him aside and settle him down, and so that, so that, that so that I could neutralize the situation. Yeah. But nonetheless, it was that was a <laughs> that was a big step in the right direction. Yeah, uh, Mr. Blair told me that, that as soon as you did that, you, he said you could hear the kids going, "Ooh." And I, <laughs> Sudden, they were heading back to the class as fast as they as fast as they could go. Yeah, well, you know, of course, back then, and I don't know if they still do that now. I suspect they do. Is that you know, it, it was a fight, and it, back in those days, it was 1993 when we started the program. Yeah. Um, 
everybody would say, well, kids were kids. and But this was, you know, if you had, had the same situation out in a bar or out in public, yeah. well, you would arrest them of course. <laughs> because it's a fight. Yeah. And that's what we did. And, you know, we, we set the law there. It said, you know, anybody who's going to disrupt and destroy property and fight each other, well, they're going to jail. Yeah. And that's what we did. We took them to jail. You have to have that strength and that size and the ability to control those things, mm-hmm. which we tried to put the, the, the biggest guys and the ones that could uh, build up a relationship with yeah. the kids in the school. And, and uh, you became uh, law enforcement officers, teachers, mom and dad. You were everything. And it was amazing how the kids changed in how they viewed law enforcement officers. Oh, yeah. And they were willing to share any kind of information with you. And uh, I, I think that the, the relationship that you built during that particular time was really more than anything else. But they have to respect you. Well, I, I, let me tell you a story. I, um, I'm coaching my little grandchild in uh, wrestling now, and so we had a wrestling tournament this past weekend up at Wilson Central mm-hmm. in Williamson County. And so I, I went in there. and all Which the, you're retired now. I'm retired yeah. now. That's right. And so uh, sure enough, here comes three, four, five Oakland kids just coming up and hugging me from, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so, the, you know, now, and these kids, these kids now have kids of their own that are about to have grandkids. And yeah. so it was really fulfilling to know that you've made an impact on somebody's life that 30 years later they're wanting to come up and hug you and thank you and love on you. So that's what was the most rewarding thing about the SRO program is that you actually felt like you're doing something right. Yeah. And, and of course, you had uh, a son, Sean, who you were <laughs> – I used to go watch you try to teach him how to wrestle, and bless his heart, he'd start crying. And I didn't, I didn't know whether we, we should have some type of uh, arrest there for attempt. For, for bless his heart, and he turned out to be a national champion he wrestler. Did. That's right. He had full scholarship, and uh, he was a two-time state champion here in Tennessee. And I, I, I invited him to come on the show this morning, Truman. He, he, oh, I wish he had. I wish he had too. He's probably listening. But Sean, hey Sean, <laughs> I don't ever get to see him anymore. Oh, I don't me either. He got a girlfriend. He's working at the workouts now, and, uh, so I don't get to see him much either. Um, but he, it's funny because our, my grandson Walker, who's now wrestling, mm-hmm. he um, he's just like Sean. I mean, just a soft-hearted, sweet young man. Yeah. And you can coach and coach and coach, but you raise your voice just a little bit. You know, saying, hey, come on, let's go. And sure enough, here comes the gator tears. And so, <laughs> oh, bless his heart. <laughs> but he's an amazing young boy. I, he won his first medal this past weekend. I'm so yeah. excited. He got three pins. Uh, we got the state championship up in uh, Wilson County this this coming weekend. And so, uh, and I'm helping him. Didn't over. that make you feel like a traitor? Why Win, winning in Wilson County? <laughs> No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. We're, we'll take a win any, anywhere we can get it. What What are all the uh, things that you did and 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 the other SROs did that made them so strong across uh, the United States? Because at one time you guys were the best SRO mm-hmm. program, yeah. and and I give you a lot of credit for how you were able to. Uh, 
create all the per- different programs that made us stronger? Well, certainly it was, you know, it, it was finding the best talent because you had you had to find this a very specific person and personality to go into the schools to do this job yeah. because you couldn't get that, you know, that rookie cop who was on the road who had that blue light syndrome who the only thing he or she wanted to do was make a rest. Yeah, you could, you, could, you had to get a someone who who have a heart for kids. Yeah. And, you know, then you find talent like a, you know, like people like Bill West and Dan France and and uh, all these other amazing, I can go, you know, I can name all 30 SROs just off the top of my head who just did an amazing job for us at, at the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. But that was the difference is finding that, that individual who wanted to be and make a difference in kids' lives. Yeah. And then, of course, then you build programs around, those individuals, you know, some of those guys would come in and say, you know what, I think I'd like to start an archery program. I said, okay, well, let's figure this out. Yeah. And sure enough, the, you know, every county school in Rutherford County now has an archery program. You know, we had an officer who said, oh, I wanted to do a um, a um, shooting program. I was like, well, hold on a second. You want to do a, a what? And sure enough, they they had a, they go out to Big Springs Road and they do a, yeah. a, a skeet shooting. And so, you know, and of course my Mashoto's guy has that's, that. That's right. He did. Yeah. He started that. Yeah. Um, we had uh, we had so many programs, and it was built around the officer's talents. You know, mm-hmm. we found the talented officer, and then the officer wanted to do something for the kids, and then we decided, okay, well, let's try to figure out how to best help that officer make impact on kids. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, I think we had at one time 52 different programs going at one time. And so it's just a... That opportunity was it was a lot of fun, and Bill West actually was the president of uh, Nazro. That's right for a pretty good while. I oh, mean, oh yeah, yeah he yeah, and I think I don't know this for sure. I've not spoke to Bill in a long time. He's retired now as well, and um, he was president once or twice, vice president, and I think he still teaches for them. Um, and of course, you know, you know, we just talked to Buddy on the phone. I yeah. can't, we can't forget about old Buddy, Buddy Royston. Yeah, he was the first one to That's plant right. a seed in my – right. we were looking to put a program in the high schools and middle schools, mm-hmm. but we, we were kind of having a hard time uh, getting a, an education on – did anyone else have a program right. in the United States and, and, and how successful. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we sent uh, people down to Orlando, Florida – and and uh, they were very excited when they came back. And then when we were able to mold it to fit our community and, and what we felt like the needs were, and from then on it was history. Oh, yeah. And like you said, we were tops in the nation several years in a row. Yeah. But, you know, it, the, the strength was is that everybody in Tennessee came to us and said, hey, how, do we, yeah. how did you all do this and can we model what we did after you? And absolutely. And, you know, even Metro Nashville did the same thing. Well, Mayor Bredesen at the time uh, just said, we want our program to be just like yours. And guess what? That's it true. wasn't. <laughs> not at first. Not at first. But eventually they turned it around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes you, you have, uh, you want it to fit what your particular needs are. And, and they're not all alike. They really aren't. But uh, the what really makes it go is the officer's who go in there with the right attitude. That's right. That's right. You know, we spoke before about um, 
old Bubba Howe, and he oh, was, <laughs> I still miss him. Oh, I do. Yeah, and so if you can remember, how he was such he was such a hard dude. You know, he yeah, was, he was a sergeant on patrol, and you know nobody could tell him anything. Yeah, but sure enough, he he gave up his sergeant stripes to go become an SRO because he yeah. had a heart for kids, and yeah. that was the difference. You got to find that individual who had a heart for kids, and sure enough, you know, of course, on his passing, he he had hundreds of kids who showed up at his at his funeral from Rockvale, from his Rockville. school. That's right, and, and I never will forget. Uh, he he was against it uh, because he thought it was too soft uh, <laughs> for law enforcement. Yeah. And it wasn't long that he was starting to hear some things, and he came to me in, in, in the office, and he says, you know, I think I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just so happens we had Rockville open at the time, and uh, I told him, that's your school, and you uh, molded him into what uh, you felt like would they would need at Rockville. And he went out there, and every day he would go through that door the kids would run and hug him and yep. grab him by the leg. And, right. and he said, you know, I'm a rock star right. <laughs> in that school. That's right. and, 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 but he said, I just absolutely love it. I love the yep. kids. It, and I'll tell you, Truman, like I said, just the other day when I walked into that gym and all these kids, these old, they're old Oakland kids, they would come up and just start hugging on me. And I, just, yeah. I just loved it. I loved they it. will remember you for the rest of their lives. That's right. And, and when you make that much of an impact on on someone, and it's a very positive impact, uh, it, it, it's 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 it will stay with you your whole life. Uh, there's something about the relationship that you can have with kids, knowing that they're going to go out and when they go through their careers or whatever. They will remember you a great deal for what you've done for them. And you really hope that, and you think that, and you probably did make an impact on them that we, you may have changed their life in some positive way. And yeah. so, especially those kids who, who did need you for, for whatever reason, whether it was a domestic violence situation in their home or a drug situation in their home or, you know, because, you know, our schools are a direct reflection of society. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what goes on, what you think is going on inside that school, those kids are back out in the n- neighborhoods going through all the problems of society that, uh, that they got to deal with in the evening. And then they come back to school with all those same problems. You know, schools, you know, the great thing about the SRO program is you're able to intervene on some of those issues and kind of point them or their parents or somebody in the right direction and get them help. So that, that was a great part, too. And, and you were doing something in the school system that may not have been going on at the time. You were structuring them to the things that really were vital to become a, a, a an adult later on and with the right attitude. I mean, w- the kids, you know, they would uh, stand up for the flag. They uh, they were um, they were very patriotic during that time, and they developed uh, a love for law enforcement officers instead of fear of law enforcement. They they finally got to see what they were all about. Yeah, and that and that was what was so great about when you brought that program to Rutherford County Truman. It was that you wanted to break down those barriers. You know, we would go from a hard uniform to a soft uniform so yeah. that, you know, we didn't appear to be so menacing that nobody wanted, that we were unapproachable. Yeah. We wanted to be approachable. We wanted to be able to say, hey, if you had a problem or you have a problem, come see us. We'll talk about it. 
we're trying to find a solution for it. You know, we had that triad. Of course, you, you wanted to go in and teach as many classes as you possibly could, you know, um, you know, in, in between the times that you had other duties and responsibilities. And, and when you're in that and when you were in that classroom teaching, you would try to, uh, you know, I, I'd go in and teach a DUI class or I'd go in and teach a, you know, a, a, a you know, Fifth Amendment class or mm -hmm. a Fourth Amendment class or something like that. But then you had those times where the kids just had to have that one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And so they had to know that they could come to somebody, you know, if it wasn't to a counselor, if it wasn't to a teacher, if it wasn't to a principal, that, hey, this cop here, maybe maybe he or she could help me. Yeah. And that was that was huge, breaking down those barriers. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Bill Kennedy. Discount Mattress is on the move, and great news for you. To reduce moving costs, all remaining inventory is being liquidated. Stop in today at 1614 Northwest Broad Street near the Georgetown Kroger to take advantage of the huge price reductions on their already discounted prices. Discount Mattress has been serving Murfreesboro's mattress needs since 2001, is locally owned and operated, and excited to offer these reduced prices prior to their move. Don't wait. Stop by today. Discount Mattress at the corner of Northwest Broad and Northfield. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. French's Shoes and Boots is the number one place in Tennessee to find the latest Southern styles at unbelievable prices. We know you work hard for your money, so when searching for high-quality footwear that won't let you down, French's has you covered. We have a huge selection of casual and work shoes and boots at the best prices in town, guaranteed. It makes good sense to shop at French's. French's Shoes and Boots. 1837 South Church Street in Murfreesboro. Quick cash could do you right. Quick cash could do you right. You could win some cash in an instant. You could win it later that night. Fun now. Add quick cash to a drawing game like Lotto America, Cash for Life, and even Tennessee Cash. Add quick cash to any of them, and you can win cash in a flash. Days the days to play quick cash from the Tennessee Lottery. It's game changing fun. Ooh, now please play responsibly. We welcome you now to Skateboard Vert. On the deck, it's the extreme one, Tristan Jaden, dropping in and did he just frontside backside that? He did, Brooks. He hit the front of that Extreme Cash instant game, flipped it, scratched the back, and this crowd is loving it. <laughs> We've seen Extreme Tricks before, Ryder, but I don't know how you top this. I really don't. Take your fun to the extreme with Extreme Cash Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. MTSU's College of Graduate Studies reported a record spring semester enrollment of 2,919 students, continuing a promising trend in the wake of an almost 28% enrollment jump in the fall and against the backdrop of the pandemic and its economic impacts. Associate Dean of the College, Dawn McCormick, says applications for scholarships open February 1st and close April 1st. Students can receive tuition coverage by working as a graduate assistant or enlisting as an ROTC cadet. 
State and MTSU employees qualify for a state fee waiver, and some employers offer course reimbursements to their employees. A lawn care company that has the sole purpose of linking homeowners with lawn care providers that has become known as the best of worst of lists puts together another list, this time ranking Murfreesboro as one of the worst cities for electric car owners. Irvine, California, Riverside, California, Sacramento, California, Fort Collins, Colorado, and Salt Lake City are on the top of the list. Murfreesboro finishes 192 near the bottom. There were 11 key factors, from the number of state EV laws and incentives to average insurance premiums to the number of charging stations per capita. A woman is being charged with DUI after hitting a school bus in Laverne. Police say the woman rear-ended the Rutherford County school bus while it was making its first stop yesterday afternoon. There were nearly 20 students on the bus at the time of the accidents. Nobody was hurt. Socialize with us on social media. Log on to Facebook.com slash WGNS Radio and click the like button. And when news breaks, we tweet it. Follow us at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. This Lisa Halliburton at Bell Jewelers. If you're not getting out and about, feel free to visit us on our website. It's belljeweler.com. And we have all of our merchandise online, plus merchandise that we can get in very quickly for you. Also visit us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. You'll see all our promotions. Bell Jewelers. 821 Northwest Broad Street, across from Toots. Del Wamsley here. The first thing you're going to have to learn is until you stop expecting the politicians or anyone else to change your life, your life isn't going to change. The only person who can change your life is you, but you need to know how. Turn off the pundits and turn on the passive income. Tune in to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Listen to my show, the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. Catch the Dell Walmsley Radio Show Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, here on News Radio WGNS. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see mostly sunny skies here for this afternoon with a high in the low 60s. Winds out of the northwest to 5 to 10 miles per hour. For tonight, mostly clear skies, a low of 34. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 30. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes for Premier Six Theater. They're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. All right, we are back, and uh, we're talking about, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, the Sheriff's Department back in, in those particular years, and you know I miss them all. There's something about the personalities of each officer, and, and when you're involved in, in so many different things that are, um, uh, you put your life on the line, you, you deal with people who are having 
terrible problems in their lives and stuff like that and how they deal with them uh it was special and and i think back to them i don't know how how many other careers people can go through to have so many different types of people like we did but but yet uh they worked hard at their jobs and they they took their uh, responsibilities I mean, they they wanted to succeed in everything that they did. And when you have supervisors like you were uh, over the entire SRO program, uh, you were very uh, animated in your job and what you wanted them to do. And um, it's not always easy to pull that off <laughs> because you have so many different yeah, personalities. Yeah. You know, there at the at the end, um, there was forty. We had forty-five SROs at that time. Yeah, I think they're somewhere around fifty-five or sixty now. But we had forty-five officers, forty-five different people, forty-five different personalities. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, you, you try to find the best solution for all the different problems, and you just can't. It's like putting out fires. But you're right. It's every one of them. Uh, they're, they're like brothers and sisters. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and the great thing about the sheriff's department at the time is that, you know, literally we could walk into your office and talk to you. And, yeah. And whatever problems we had was solved right there and then, one way or the other, either yeah. good or bad. <laughs> it may not have yeah. been. Or ugly. <laughs> or ugly. You know, it may have not have been what we wanted our solution to be, but it was solved. Yeah. And the door was closed after that, and it was done. And, um, that you know, it was it was more like a family type atmosphere, you know, and, and uh, uh, just I relish that because you know, you, you think about police officers, it's a calling, and you know they don't get paid much money, yeah. you know, um, their retirement's not that good, <laughs> you know, and so you have to you got to find that special purpose who wants to serve. You got yeah. it's, it's it's a service industry, and uh, all those different personalities, all those wonderful people that I've gotten to work with over the last 30 years, just an amazing bunch of guys and gals. You know, I think one of the things, of course, the county had not exploded completely like it has now. Yeah. And we knew a great deal of people that were out in the community in every era uh, area of the community. And I, uh, I, I think that the partnership with that we had with people who lived here at the time was special it hadn't um, really the atmosphere um, hadn't really changed all that much and and uh, people respected us uh, they in fact if we would go out and answer a call a lot of times they'd want us to stay and break bread with them <laughs> or, right. or whatever yep. but that small town atmosphere was really special for us during that time oh yeah and um I miss all of that. I really do. I, I miss the relationships between oh, yeah. uh, us and, and the people that we were serving at the time. Yeah, the, the telling part is like when you'd go to these breakfasts, like the Kitchell breakfast, yeah. the Last Castes fish fry, or the Smyrna fish fry, and you would, you know, you'd run into all these people who just wanted to come up and shake your hand and thank you for 
the job that you're doing. And yeah. that was that was rewarding. Or they would give us a hard time, you oh. know, in fun. Well, uh, it, I, I mean, you've got to have a sense of humor to be in law enforcement. Well, that's, that's because it's you, Truman, because you yeah. wanted to banter with everybody. <laughs> so everybody gave you a hard time. <laughs> but but that's the way most of our officers were. <laughs> I mean, right. they, they loved all the people that's that they right. would come in contact with. And um, even, even the media, the media people were very kind to oh, us during all those days. Yeah. Uh, Nick Barris, I, I remember he'd come down and uh, we'd go out to lunch and we just had the best time just chewing each other back and forth. And so that was. Of course, Nick was sharp. He was he, trying to find out yes, the inside scoops on yeah, everything right. that was going that's on. Exactly that right. He'd come down and go have lunch with us to get the scoops. That's right. Yeah. So. Now, when, when you were over at um, uh, Lebanon, Lebanon PD. Yeah. Uh, what was the the difference in the in the atmosphere and the attitude over there as it was when you were over here in Rutherford County? Well, you know your frontline officers and your and the people you work with day to day. It was much. It's much of the same. It's you know it's, you're all brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, you're all trying to protect each other's back and make sure that uh, you go home uh, to your family alive. That's mm-hmm. that that was all the same. But administratively, um, it was more business than it was family. Yeah. Uh, everything was um, uh, everything was to the point, and yeah. you know there wasn't any, there wasn't everything was black and white, no gray area whatsoever, and so that was the difference. Um, and so you know it, it just you just didn't have that atmosphere where you know where we thought okay well we're going to go over to somebody's house and you know enjoy breaking bread with them because we're. We yeah. felt like we were family, you know. Up there, it was more like, uh, um, you know, they're the bosses and we're not. <laughs> so. How many places can you work like we had here, where I don't know how many times we would go help someone move? Oh yeah. That and, and you you wouldn't have to hire anybody or or uh, ask for family to do it. Yeah. Uh, well, our family. Every one of us would pitch in, and we would go out and help when they would move to a, uh, another house that maybe they couldn't afford, like me. Well, it was almost kind of a rite of passage because you know if you got if you got an opportunity to help somebody move, it was like okay, you know, you're part of the family now. Yeah. And I, and I can remember moving you from uh, where, 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 Riverbend. Riverbend, yeah. Riverbend yeah. Out, yeah. out to your out to your current uh, house. Yeah, now. to Buckhannon. Yeah. You see, you you moved from a three-story like no it wasn't that big five thousand square foot mansion into this smaller house and we were like where are we going to put all your stuff Truman?" <laughs> so, we had no place to put it had, I, mean, I mean it was unbelievable because you're moving from a bigger house to a smaller house and you know, i was like where are you going to put all this stuff and i can remember uh moving uh buddy royston's hot tub off the back of his bless so, his heart yeah, and then you, you even you, you even volunteered us out sometimes we uh, old mary woodard Needed stuff moved over her house, so you say, uh, "Bill, go over there and move that TV." And I was like, "Okay, I'll go over and move that TV for." Her. <laughs> and you guys got into a fight, is my understanding. <laughs> we did. It was so funny because she, she started bossing me around like she was like a supervisor, and I said, I, "I'm not going to do that." <laughs> she, well, she was a school teacher. My you know, goodness, I think that's what. <laughs> and so I can remember she called you to tell me to to move something, and I said, "Truman, I'm not going to do it." She's being rude to me. <laughs> I just left. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, that was oh, that was so funny. But eventually, I went back out there and did it for her. But I was like, "You're not going to talk to me like that." 
Well, you outweighed her 300 pounds. Oh, my, my God. At least by 300, yeah. <laughs> Were you there when when we first put our weight program in? Well, the, the, the University of Tennessee, three-time All-American, uh, somehow I got his number, and he came all the way up from Georgia and put in an elaborate, uh, at that time, weight program for us, which was pretty special. Yeah, and then when we um, when we made the addition to the jail, when you when you built the larger jail out there, yeah. you know we moved all that to another room, and we started a whole fitness program, a wellness program out there. Yeah, and that was and you, and anybody that got hired on at the sheriff's department at that time had to pass the wellness program. Yeah, and uh, that was you know that that was exciting to be able to. That way, when the officers went through the academy, you knew that they were going to pass the academy instead of yeah, failing. Because it was a whole lot harder here yeah, than they hard. had there. Yes. Our, our fitness program was harder than the academy's fitness program. So yeah. If you did not pass the fitness program, you couldn't get hired on at the sheriff's office. And it was uh, pretty hard for some. I, I know, say if you were allergic to some of the sprays that we would spray the, the, the people who were giving us a lot of trouble, uh, it was pretty tough. For some of them, I can remember oh, yeah. uh, little Tammy crying when they sprayed her, <laughs> and she she couldn't stop crying. I think she cried for a couple of hours, uh, bless her heart. Well, but but they wanted to be in law enforcement so bad, and and, and uh, we didn't have any trouble finding uh, prospective law enforcement officers back in no, those days. No, we did not. Everybody everybody wanted to be a police officer back then. It's, yeah, and it's a it's a it's a tough to find the talent today because. Not only do you got to have a, a, a right-minded individual to, to become a police officer, because yeah. you know things have changed quite a bit since the days we first started. Yeah. Now I was trying to remember w- when you guys started the um, rodeo program for the uh, special needs kids. Tell me about that because it, it was at one time one of the most successful things going on yeah. between us and the school system. Well, it, it's interesting because just like we were talking about earlier, we would try to fit the talents that our officers had with, you know, ways to help kids. And of yeah. course, um, Greg King used to be yeah. a rodeo. You know, he would ride bulls and buck horses and yeah. do everything rodeos did. And he came up with the idea for special needs children. To uh, have a rodeo that would not only raise money for uh, special needs kids, but also for the sheriff's office yeah. programs, and, um, and and of course he and Bill West and several others just took that and ran with it. Yeah. And man, it just flourished. And we would have a afternoon, uh, one afternoon. The rodeo would be like three days long, but the we would have one afternoon where just special needs kids from yeah. all county and city schools would come to Rutherford County's rodeo and they would get to see a rodeo just for them and they would get to be able to go out there and uh you know touch the animals and and what 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 happened but but that was greg king and and of course like i said bill west he he ran with that as well but that was that was some fun stuff we did yeah kids couldn't wait all right we have a caller on the line caller welcome aboard with bill kennedy good morning truman and bill this cliff sharp Hey, I just wanted to, wanted to share a story uh, about the uh, SROs. <clears throat> I went to uh, uh, out to Walter Hill and uh, was teaching a class out there. Uh, got there, you know, just about the time school had started, and the bell rang. 
and uh, so I started down the hall, and and uh, I was walking with one of the one of the officers, and I I can't remember who was out there at that time. Probably again twenty years ago or so, but anyway, uh, two of the little kids ran out and jumped on each leg, and he walked down the hall, you know, carrying him on on his foot, and uh, down to the classroom, and and of course they turned that turn he turned them loose, and they ran in there and. You know, as I was walking uh, into that class, I thought, wow, how these kids love that guy out here. And, uh, you know, I think that that uh, was probably the case for so many of the of the SROs, that the kids just literally loved those, loved those guys. And they did, did such a, an outstanding job of, of, uh, of just complimenting everything that went on at school. But anyway, I, I just thought I'd call and share that story with you. Y'all have a great day. You too, Cliff. Thank you very much. I, I was having a hard time hearing, but uh, I think you probably hear better than I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was telling us a story about the, uh, the SRO at Walter Hill and how the kids just loved. Um, he was telling a story about the, the how the kids just loved everything that the officer was doing, and yeah, you know, uh, latched on to the officer and the officer walked him down the hall on both legs, and so, which is an awesome story. But you know, those are the stories that uh, we, we we deal with every day. That's the stuff we we would love to do every day. And, I, and I, like I said, it was the best job on the face of the earth. And so, don't you think sometimes? Maybe you'd like to return there for a while and enjoy some of that interaction with the kids. Well, I, I tell you, you know, I'm, I'm helping over there at um, um, Oakland's wrestling program right now. And yeah, just, but you're mean to them over no, there. They no, start no, crying no, and everything. No, yeah. no, no, they love me like I love them. <laughs> but it, it just brings back all those memories because yeah. that's where I started. And I still today just said, man, I... I would have loved to retire as an SRO. Yeah, um, I, I could have done my entire career as an SRO, and yeah, sometimes I miss that. But again, <laughs> times have changed, and so I'm 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 just happy to be retired now. <laughs> when you watch all of these terrible things that happen in some of the other schools, and in particular down in Florida, down in the lower part, yeah. um, they had an SRO that was. Totally um, inept. <laughs> he was inept, yep. and, and uh, to be perfectly honest with you, when I was watching that happen, I was so disgusted yep. because there's no reason why the SROs cannot be trained with the right people right. in those schools to make them safer than than what we've seen. Yeah, that gentleman's name was Officer Peterson, Deputy Peterson. Yeah, and I, I I remember him from some of the conferences that we would go to. He was a nice guy, but you know, and that was the the point, Truman, is that you got to find that that perfect person to be a school resource officer. Because yeah. Not only does you have to do all the things we were just talking about, but your first priority is protecting the kids. Yeah. And if if shots are fired or if there's any anything that an officer has to do, he has to protect the kids. Yeah. And so you don't wait for SWAT team. You don't wait for backup. You go, you know, direct a threat, and you go dynamic, and you go to wherever the shooter is, and you take the shooter out. And yeah. So, you know, and he did not do that. And so, you know. Evidently, they, from what I can gather on that particular incident, they had prior knowledge that something was going to happen. From my understanding, you're correct that, um, that in 99.9% in of the incidents we dealt with, we knew it was coming because the kids would come tell us. Yeah. Because the kids knew that something was about to happen or what have you. And so, you know, just it was so fortunate uh, in Rutherford County that we, we never 
had a uh, shooting here while the SRO program was involved. Mm -hmm. And but, you know, we would we would stop. 90% of the stuff that that occurred simply because they trusted us they'd come tell us that things are happening and we'd stop them prior, yeah. you know being proactive so you can't let your guard down um, and when you have the kids um, respecting you like they did at the time there was a good chance that you was going to find out anything oh, yeah. that was going to happen whether it's going to be a, a gang fight or whatever um, we didn't really have that particular problem. No, uh, we were we were extremely proactive. We uh, we found out things that were happening and we re and we dealt with them. We we didn't wait. We didn't wait for situations to occur. Mm -hmm. We'd go deal with them. And so, just like that situation in in Florida, it should have been dealt with, and you know, people, young people should have survived that. They didn't. Now, you guys were working on this program to keep the schools safe. I think before the first incident ever happened, didn't it? Oh yes, uh, the one in Colorado. That's right, Columbine. And, yeah, uh, I believe that was in 1999 or 98. It was 98, 99 when yeah. that occurred. And you're right, we we uh, we would go and train all summer long, and you know, and luckily um, we had we had some SWAT officers. I was a SWAT officer at the time, mm -hmm. and so we had, you know, extended training, and so we would use that training to teach SROs how to, uh, you know, go dynamic at the time. You know? Yeah. You know, up until 1998, everybody was like, oh, well, sit back and wait for SWAT. No, <laughs> you can't wait for SWAT. You know, everything happens within two, three, four, five minutes. Yeah. You know, it, the, the entire incident is done within 10 to 15, 20 minutes. So you've got to go direct to threat. And even before Columbine, we were teaching that. We were yeah. teaching going direct, direct to threat. Um, and... You know that may be why we not had any instances here. So, you know, you know, the media a, a lot of times was very disruptive. When you'd be watching all of those things that were going on at the schools and the and all of the officers trying to control the incident, a lot of times the the media was not a positive influence no. during those particular times. No, they're always trying to get the scoop. You know, they're always wanting to be, you know, go beyond their their limitations and their barriers and even when the scene's not even safe they would uh, try to get the the best angle or the best situation uh, and it's not helpful when you start blaring that stuff over the tv and you got literally um, 3,000 parents trying to get to a school to get yeah. their kids and you're trying to not only dealt with the situation but you're also having to dealt with media and fend off parents trying to get their kids and it's a it's a tough scenario for those people that have had to deal with it yeah now in today's world um if you were at one of the major schools right now uh, would things still you first of all you you can't let it uh, uh slide at all as far as your training is concerned that is uh, the relationship with the kids and the teachers, you have to have that. Yep. And, and, the, and the principals, you know, all of them worked with us yes, during did. that time. Yes, so not only did the training involve the officers that were going to uh, be in control of the situation, but the training was also with the kids and oh, the teachers. Yep. 
And the partnership that we had with education at the time was much needed. I mean, you you can't do it without everybody knowing what's going to happen if something uh, bad occurs. Absolutely. And, and of course, we came up with the the hide, fight, and flight um, situation where, you know, first thing you can do if you can hide, hide. Yeah. You know, make sure that nobody can get into your room, nobody can find you. Be quiet, you know. Stay, stays to yourself, you know. And then, of course, if it, if you're not able to get to a hiding spot, or you're in a situation where you're on the playground, something happens, you you flight, you run, you run like hell, mm-hmm. and you find an adult, and you find a safe safe situation to get to. And of course, of course, the last scenario, the last situation is, you know, if a if a gunman or somebody who's there to hurt you and coming to take you out, teachers fight for your life. Yeah. You know? And you know, so we came up with. We came up with that as well, not as much as popularity as po- popular with the with the media and some liberal organizations. But by God, I I, w- I would want my son and my daughter to say that, you know, that they as a last resort, as a last situation, that uh, that the, the, they did everything in their powers to protect themselves and others. Yeah, when you're running from a situation like that, rather than in in some respects, I think that you guys were teaching them, the the uh, students at the time, how to attack the person that was in there, uh, uh, if if you had certain scenarios during the time. Because many times, I and mean, we've seen them in the other schools where uh, they had an opportunity in numbers to attack somebody rather than him just picking each one of them off one at a time. Yeah, the perfect example of that was uh, Virginia University where the gunman chained up the doors and shot 33 people. Yeah. And if if everybody had attacked the gunman, yeah. then, you know, it, it goes back to the John Wayne philosophy of, Everybody's going to survive this situation. Yeah. Well, that's not true. <laughs> you know, uh, you got to realize that in some scenarios, some situations, not everybody's going to survive a situation. But if you're just hiding and the gunman is just picking you off one at a time, I would much rather think that I would teach my sons and my grandchildren, you know, attack and and you know try to try to isolate the situation, try to neutralize the situation as best you can. And overpower yeah. the, the gunman, overpower the person. And like I said, in Virginia, if if, they had, if the 33 people who died had gotten that training on the front end, yeah. perhaps maybe not so many people had would have perished. Well, I can tell you, if I was a student in there and and they were doing that, I would be right behind you as a SRO because I, <laughs> they would never hit me. I can tell you that. Right now. <laughs> Bless your heart. Um, would you like to be a the uh, the kind of like the president of the SROs across the nation, and maybe go in uh, counties and cities and watch what they do, how they train, uh, and be able to give them the information that they needed to make sure that they were doing it correctly. Because um, 
it's it, it's absolutely no good at all to have an SRO program unless you do it correctly. Yeah, we we um, of course back then were one of the leading agencies in the nation, and I had uh, many of opportunities to to go into uh, different states and yeah. teach teach the program. Yeah. Um, um, I never got the opportunity to actually go into a specific school and teach our philosophy or teach you know what you left that up to the SRO program yeah there. the the national the NASRO and of course the um, the, the um, school safety advocacy council the SSAC mm -hmm. which is another organization like NASRO n who actually is now um, teaching with the FBI mm -hmm. um, Kirk Cavarro uh, Kurt Lavarello. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the first presidents of this NASRO. He has his own organization. They go and do these type of things. So, yeah, there is programs out there that actually do this. But I'm, I'm actually happy to be retired. So, <laughs> but uh, if called but upon. We, but what we miss you. We really do. If called upon, if I, if I ever got the opportunity to help in any scenario situation, if anybody were to ever ask me to help, I would, I would love to help. But, uh, I mean, I'm really enjoying retirement with my wife and <laughs> my grandkids and enjoying that now. The um, school resource officer, they're, they're so uh, multi-talented that um, we've, we've raised their salary uh, uh, because you can't just find those people anywhere. Yeah. That, that that can interact with the students and and uh, see all the problems that are going on and finding solutions for those problems and uh, um, I, I'm I'm not sure that we uh, even um, give them uh, what they deserve. Uh, I I don't think they're they're on the same level of. Uh, of the monetary value of their particular job as they used to be. But I would, um, it, every law enforcement officer has special skills. Right. And they have their special talents. But w when you're involved in so many different things as far as teaching the, uh, the, the students and interacting and involved in sports and all the other things, um, and, and above all, keeping them safe, in their, uh, it, they're like small cities now. Oh yeah. And it, and it's very difficult to cover all that ground un unless you have a particular plan for it. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right, Truman. And if you, it was a <laughs> back in 1993 when you started the program, it was, everybody kind of raised their eyebrows to say, why in the world are you putting their salaries at the level of a detective? Why is their status so high? It's because you wanted to do what? You wanted the very best, most talented people you can possibly get yeah. in those jobs because you're protecting your most precious resource, and that's your kids. Yeah. And if you if you if you were to hire somebody at a much lower financial level, let's let's say as a, and I'm not saying that one job's more or less important than the other, but you know there's certain um, steps that you get paid for as far as your your talents and your experience and your ability to do your job. So, you know, it goes from detention officer to patrol officer to detective and at that time SRO and then, of course, management. But at that time, you made the decision to put that officer at a level in which they deserved financial compensation. Yeah. You know, you asked for college uh, 
college experience uh, and or degrees. You asked for um, years of experience. You asked for them to be able to work with children. Uh, on top of being a police officer that can, you know, take over a, in, like, like you said, a small city with Oakland and Riverdale at the time had 3,000 kids each. And so you had literally a small city that you were dealing with. They were smaller people, but they were, it was a small city with the same problems that you would do in society. You know, and of course today I think that uh, they're not compensated like they are they were then, which, you know, leads me to believe that you, you know, you're, you're maybe not getting um, necessarily the best talent for the dollar is what I would say. Yeah, and, and just like Bubba was, uh, a lot of law enforcement officers, they don't want to be in the schools. And and you have to have enticements for them to go from one position to right. another, and it, it's it's not that easy. But you you think of uh, the rewards of being there with the kids, uh, getting to sh show them what real law enforcement officers are like. They're not like they're portrayed in in uh, in, in the media and some of the other places like that. Uh, I've never seen law enforcement take so many attacks as they have. And if you notice, most of those are in the inner cities, the large cities, where um, uh, maybe they don't have the opportunity to have a good relationship with law enforcement officers who, who go in, into these crime-ridden areas and... Uh, they, they're in there to protect the people, but a lot of times they become... It's like, you know, when we used to have to go to family fights. Yeah. You would go there and try to protect one or the other, and I'd make sure that you always had two officers there so that you could separate them. And, and many times they would turn on the officer, which was one of the most dangerous jobs that you could have. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is what goes on in these inner cities. They will um, go in there to protect the people who are living there, and then all of a sudden they become the bad guys. Oh, yeah. And yeah. can you imagine, people don't understand, when you go into those type situations, you're not only protecting those in the area, but you got to watch out for yourself too. Oh yeah, you got, you know, and, I, and you know, I, I think I'm picking a really good time to get out of law enforcement because, you know, it, law enforcement has changed quite a bit um, in the last several years. Yeah. And and I, I think it's going to even get worse before it does get better. And lots of things have to change. And you know, right now it's you know, it's hard to say that. Um, you know, you go. You're on the front line of these these situations, um, these domestic disturbances, these mobs, these these riots, and you're the number one person they want to assault. Yeah. They don't care. You know, all of a sudden, blue lives don't matter. And yeah. so, you know, it's it's lots of things have to change uh, throughout our country. There's lots of problems in our country right now that have to change. I believe that. I wear my blue lives matter shirt. <laughs> And and it seems like sometimes w nobody even thinks about us until something bad happens. Right. Then all of a sudden you get headlines in the paper or whatever, and it, it, it's unbelievable. And what I, I you know we started uh, the the uh, 
uh, program years ago where we would allow people to come in and study what it was like to be a law enforcement officer, right. even even including the jail and, and, and things like that. And most every one of them says, gosh, I didn't realize what you guys had to do and all the things that you're involved in. And it, it is. It, it's something that, uh, and I know the city has taken that on here in, in Murfreesboro also and, and in uh, uh, Smyrna. And it's important for the the people that we're out there serving to realize what each officer has to go through when 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 they make those uh, particular yeah. uh, situations I possible. Can, I can remember when you started the Citizens Police Academy, yeah. and I can remember um, them going through that. And it's you know it's the irony is that when I was a patrol officer in Lebanon, they would then come ride with us. Yeah, you know, when I was. At the sheriff's office, I really didn't have much interaction with that with that group because, yeah. um, you know, I get to go talk to them for an hour or two, just telling what the school resource officer program was. But when I was in Lebanon, they would come ride with us, mm -hmm. and you know, we would go on these hot calls. You know, we'd be going, you know, 120 miles an hour down down the interstate trying to get to either a wreck or a situation, you know, armed subject or whatever. Yeah. And you're right. By the time the end, the, the night was over, they're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you guys." go through what you guys go through and i was like yeah this is every day so well, can you imagine living in one of these big cities like pittsburgh <laughs> <laughs> up north <laughs> and, and, and going to a uh, a call with a person who is going through one of those programs and then all of a sudden all heck breaks loose yep. and then all of a sudden everybody in that entire area attacks you or, or uh, e e either with a gun or a camera mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden everything is crazy can you imagine what would be go through their minds when they see that most people have no idea what it's like to be a law enforcement officer especially in today's time yeah the only thing they understand or know is what they see on television and that's the that's a different perspective it's, yeah you know, the, the one perspective that I really, and I was against it at first because I didn't really understand it, but I am all for it now, and that's body cameras, is that because, uh, you know, what someone says to me and what I say to them is now recorded. Yeah. And they can't lie about anything I'm saying, and I can't lie anything about their, anything that they're saying. Yeah. And so if you watch some of these body cameras uh, scenarios or situations, that's the front line. That's what really is happening. And sure enough, you know, you see some of these situations where, you know, these officers are, you know, getting pouted on and rioted on and beaten on. Well, that's that's the real life. That's that's what happens out there. So, yeah, if it's yours now, if it's the media's cameras, guess what? Maybe five minutes of, of all the, the trouble is going on in the hoopla and maybe you only get to see. 15 or 20 seconds of it. Oh, and I agree. Then all of a sudden, uh, oh, I agree 100%. Everything turns. They they change the ideas of what's going on to their watchers and listeners at the time, which is I, I it's it's hard for me to respect them anymore. To be oh, perfectly I, honest I, with I you, I agree. The mere, the media will cherry pick what they want the viewers to see to give them ratings. But yeah, what I like about the body cameras is that. As soon as that body camera gets turned on, until it gets turned off, it sees everything. Yeah. And so there's no there's no discre discrepancy between what that what actually happened and what I said that happened. Yeah. And so 
I'm all for body cameras. I'm 100% for them. You remember, well, you're old enough to remember uh, um, one of our uh, presidents that was um, left office um, because uh, they were supposedly broken into a, a hotel and, <laughs> and and all the things that went on with it. And I, it's the first time I ever remember the, the media becoming involved in something in the way that they did back then because uh, the after Nixon left office, they had a, on one of the major uh, in one of the more major magazines. You saw the two guys that were involved in in relating that back to the public were uh, giving each other hand slaps and everything because they were able to to uh, have our president removed, which basically he did. He he left himself, but. I, I never will forget that. And I said, how in the world could you be happy with yourself doing something like that? Because uh, Nixon was one of the more popular presidents that we, we've ever had. And he did wrong. I mean, there's no... Uh, but to, to, to change the country around like that, if, if thinking that you've done something special, I don't understand it. And, and people... If they can make somebody look, um, uh, maybe looked at in a negative way, they love it today. I don't understand that type of attitude. Oh, and I agree. I, you know, being on the other end of that, um, where, you know, of course, when I ran for sheriff, which I would never do again, uh, being on the other end of that, when the media would get a hold oh, of Oh, you'd make a great sheriff. Well, that's not here. That's here and there, Truman. That's, that's that's way in the past, and that'll never happen again. Trust me there. But I, but I can remember, you know, the whisper wars and the whispers, and uh -huh. you know, they would try to they would try to get you in a in a bad light, no matter what you did or how yeah. you did. It doesn't yeah. matter. And you know this more than anybody after 30 years of being sheriff is that you know anything that just 27. Print, well, you were with the sheriff's department for like 100 years. So. Yeah. But if they can put you in a bad light, <laughs> regardless of the truth, they're going yeah. to they're going to do it. Yeah. And so yeah. They finish. I, they they feel like they've really accomplished something. That's right. By downgrading you. Oh I, yeah. I, and being on that side of it, I know exactly what you're talking about. Is that regardless of what you've done or how you do, how good you've done, it doesn't matter. If, if they could put if they can put you in a bad light, if they can print you in a bad light, they they sure will do it. I agree. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to be back on with me again. It's like reliving all the good times again. Oh, I love this, Truman. I love coming on here and talking to you about all this, all those wonderful opportunities you gave me and, and all the time that I have spent at the sheriff's office and the 30 years I put in law enforcement. I love talking about it. And, and hey, you were special. You really were. Well, I appreciate that. But, you know, anytime you want me to come on, I'd be happy to come on. We'll have a good time. Now, what are you doing now? I mean, we gotta have to, we got to go, but tell me what you're doing now. Well, I, I own uh, a couple daycares, and so I, my wife, who's just brilliant, uh, Melissa, she came up with a great idea of starting daycares. And yeah. so I just help her manage 
um, our future. So <laughs> she's the boss, and I'm the muscle, and so I, anything she tells me to do, I say, yes, ma'am, and I go do it. That's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> I guess, yes, it is. Yeah, the ladies, are they get us through life in a special way. And she's just so smart. She, I yeah. mean, she, she literally helped her oldest daughter uh, start her her pro, her uh, child care programs. Yeah. And, and, of course, she, she got ours going, and I'm just there to help her. What's the name of the child care? It's called Creative Kids Preschool, and we have Ooh. one, two, three, and four. So uh, That's special. That is. Thanks, Bill. Oh, thank you, Truman. Thank you so much for having me on. I loved it. All right, guys. We'll see you in the morning at 9. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.